Welcome to this episode of the For the Kingdom, Not the Brand podcast. And in this episode, I want to answer the question of how far is too far in dating? And I know that this is a question that is often asked, and I want to address this with as much sensitivity as possible without compromising on any kind of biblical conviction. And I understand that there are times when, um, where, um, where I know that guys and gals are genuinely serious and curious on what acts are fine to do and what acts are not fine to do while there are other times where guys and gals are trying to figure out how close they can get to sin without actually being sinful if that makes any sense and i intend to make this episode as short as possible so that i can get back to the series of why we all need a systematic theology and this is mostly just to equip those who are really listening in i don't intend to make this entire uh, podcast uh, platform about uh, dating and other hot topics since that's just not exactly the way I roll and and there's really so much about dating that I can really talk about um so and and there are plenty other Christian podcasts that do an amazing job just talking about dating and other hot topics in general but um so feel free to head there if you will if you desire to have more questions answered in the more um in the various nuances of dating so to speak And so back to the question, how far is too far? And from what I understand with how that question is uh, presented in many contexts, even still, I I think that's the wrong question that we tend to ask. I think the real question should be, how can I honor this young lady or young man to to where we don't compromise or cross boundaries? Um, I don't want to rephrase the question to how can I love this young lady or young man because we tend to see the term uh, love and we think about it in various different ways and I think that the word love has lost its true uh, definition in um, especially in the modern age and I think we tend to fall into this idea that love is entirely about how we feel at a given moment and it's this encapsulating hearts coming out the eyes nose bleeding faintly I mean fainting and daily phenomenon and I think that uh, Vody Balkum said one time that true love is actually accompanied by emotion and not led by by emotion. So that I'm not saying, uh, and please keep in mind, I'm not saying that any kind of emotion is bad. I'm not asking for stoic romance here, uh, the where everyone involved is just a bunch of stone statues coldly stating their love for one another. And when I present the question of how can I honor this young lady or, or, or young man to everyone currently listening in, I also want to explain the biblical truth behind that. I'm sure most, if not everyone listening in, understands the biblical framework for dating and courting, or, or uh, courting, like not being unequally yoked, abstaining from sex outside of, the, outside of the marriage covenant, and just purity in general. And so I want to... to to, to to take like a cursory i i more or less took a cursory glance over those topics as much as i can because i think i covered them or took a cursory look over them in my previous uh, dating episode a little over a year ago i might be wrong on that um, i haven't checked the uh, old uh, script for that uh f- for that episode that was published a year ago i think that might have been my my sixth episode that or it was that was also during I don't, I don't think that was during my uh, singleness episode, so I think I'm wrong on that one. But anyway, I was prompted to make this episode because of a sermon series I listened to from the uh, from the For the Gospel conference involving dating where 
Pastor Costi Han and Pastor uh, Pastor um, Anthony Wood did an expositional series over the uh, book of Songs of Solomon over a single weekend. And if you've never seen those sermons, I highly recommend them. It's very rare these days that pastors can talk about the book of Songs of Solomon tastefully and also biblically without explicit uh, references that make the audience kind of disgusted or, I mean, dare dare I say, very, very uncomfortable. And I don't want to steal the thunder of the two men who beautifully expounded upon the Songs of Solomon. And so I'll just explain the broad synopsis of what they covered in their sermons and what I uh, basically uh, took away from reading the book um, on my own uh, before I finished the script. And so they talked about you know, um, attraction um, in terms of its uh, biblical truth, courting, uh, romance, and also resolving in the series. And dare I say, I think they're the best sermons I've ever heard about the Songs of Solomon. And for this episode, um, as stated previously, I myself chose to read over the entire book of Song of Solomon in one sitting, and I noticed a certain set of verses that were repeated over and over again throughout the book, and it wasn't the phrases where Solomon and his bride complimented one another. Again and again, we see Solomon's bride call out to the young women of Jerusalem to not stir up or awaken love until the appropriate time. And this call is present in chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 8 of Song of Solomon. Please keep in mind that the couple here are madly in love with one another. Now, there, there is a definite attraction between them, and there is an emphasis on biblical beauty here. And yet, we should also note that even in the midst of their compliments of one another and their deep longing for one another before they become officially married, they remained pure. They did not awaken love until their wedding night, and even still, they chose to honor one another during their wedding night or or after their wedding night. And the reason why the Bride of Solomon calls all the young women of Jerusalem to not awaken love before the appropriate time is shown in verses 6 through 7 of chapter 8. It says, For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as unrelenting as Sheol. Love's flames are fiery, fiery flames, an almighty flame. A huge torrent cannot extinguish love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If a man were to give all his wealth for love, it would be utterly scorned. And there is so much to unpack from those two verses there. But I covered much of what love is in my... Um, I think I released an episode on 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, that I titled The Love Chapter. Although that chapter speaks more on the love between fellow believers in the midst of a church that is all over the place, um, I think that the CSB Bible that I have has a good note on what love is, uh, especially within the context of Song of Solomon. It says, Over time, Solomon's relationship with his bride turned into a love story full of romantic beauty and wonder. The intensity of their love colored every facet of their lives, affecting them physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Solomon's story is a vivid illustration that love is not to be regarded casually or used to or used to manipulate others, but instead be upheld with commitment and honor. And I'll also reference a comment by Dr. Stephen Lawson over the difference between true biblical love and lust in any kind of romantic relationship. He said that true biblical love gives while lust only takes. And I think what he means by that is that lust only takes. Lust or, you know, it shows that lust is only selfish. It's focused on, on a single person desiring a, a bodily sensation. This person is more or less trying to 
you know, have this fleeting pursuit of feelings and other things that they want that solely benefits him or her without any kind of true consideration for the other person involved. True biblical love honors the other person because the ultimate goal is to obey and honor God. And there, there is a recognition present that all of us will stand before the Lord to give an account for how we treated our spouse if we end up being married. There is much nuance to that truth that I can't really fully dive into uh, since that would be really off topic, but true biblical love is committed love. It, it, it cannot be bought, as it says in chapter 8, verse 7 of Song of Solomon. It is as strong as death, which parallels the common mar mar marital vow of till death do us part. And yet keep in mind that true biblical love in a committed marital relationship is all-consuming for the people involved. Solomon's bride says that love's flames are fiery flames, an almighty flame. As said previously uh, from the commentator's note from my CSB Bible, this couple's love affects them physically, spiritually, and emotionally. You cannot awaken love without it all consuming your entire being. And one of the best real-life analogies to this is a backdraft, which is a real danger for firefighters. I read from a source called Fire from... Um, I think it was a source called Fire uh, Rescue One that a, a backdraft is caused by the sudden introduction of air into a fire that has depleted most of the available oxygen in a room or building. Imagine that love is the all-consuming fire as previously mentioned, and the only thing stopping it from going out are the doors and barricades around it as it is enclosed. And with the fire being enclosed, it is depleting the oxygen around it. It doesn't seem to be too dangerous until the fire is introduced to more oxygen as those doors open. It is awakened. And if you've seen how volatile a backdraft is, like you, you really need to understand how violent, how explosive it is. It is all-consuming to everything around it. And that's how love is, especially with it being taken out of the context of marriage and especially with sex being thrown into the picture or even any kind of physical affection of any kind that tries to open the door, even a crack. When, you know, I'm, I'm sure that many of you listening and have heard of the, the idea and kind of, you know, this idea that sex and marriage is like a fire in a fireplace. It's secure and warm, but a house fire is the complete opposite of that. It's chaotic. It consumes everything and may result in, in, the, in the overall destruction of lives. And I want to uh, change, that, uh, change that idea a little bit by asking, do we, truly view, uh, do, do we truly view biblical love and romance in the context of marriage as a fire, as a fire in the fireplace, secure, warm, and, and also controlled? Since on the other side, outside of the fireplace, lust and unbiblical love that is inherently selfish and prideful is consuming everything around it and destroying lives. We see this in people today still. How often have we heard of unbiblical love breaking families apart, harming children physically, also emotionally and spiritually as well? How often have we heard of unbiblical un love just creating emotional scars in people because there was a backdraft approach to the fire of love instead of the fireplace approach. Something that, something that was meant to be warm and secure, private and also deliberate, became something that consumed everything around and left in its wake just purely destruction of lives. And as we ask ourselves with the new question of how can I honor this young lady or young man as we begin the courting or dating process, think about the ways we should avoid awakening love before the time is right. Cosley Hinn in one of the sermons I mentioned earlier talks about how in one of the chapters, 
he mentions that the bride asks where her fiance is, uh, who he where he is shepherding his sheep during during the day. She doesn't want her va- she doesn't want to veil herself uh, like a prostitute and do a little sneak off rendezvous. There is self control present even in the midst of her her sexual desire, and she wants to honor the purity of the relationship even when there is a deep longing for her spouse or or the her her fiance from what i've read in song of Solomon, and the two just it's evident over and over and over again even even before their marriage night that the two have a deep longing for one another but they don't awaken the fire that is love until their wedding night and there is a communion with one another that is truly divinely supported where they finally become one flesh and the true journey of their relationship finally begins and if you're considering a dating relationship in the future or, or are in one currently, examine your convictions. Are you honoring that young lady or young man in your life by keeping the, the, the overall relationship between you pure and allowing one day, hopefully, for the fire to be set at the fireplace instead of allowing a backdraft to definitely destroy both of your lives? I would also say that if it means that the two of you have to remain at literal arm's length of each other until your wedding night because even hugging or a, a kiss on the cheek leads, leads the two of you to lust after one another, choose to honor one another by honoring God first and foremost. Don't be a stumbling block for each other. Put the guardrails up so that you guys do not go anywhere close to crossing the clear and set boundaries God has made for romantic relationships. And I really want to close with um, uh, mentioning a pastor friend I know who never even kissed his wife until they were married, which is something that many of us really back in the day might have scoffed at. And yet there is a fundamental understanding here that as you stand in front of your spouse on that day at your wedding, even something as simple as kissing one another can be cherished between the two of you for the rest of the time God has the two of you on this earth. And if you're currently courting a young lady, man, when you choose to live by your convictions to honor that young lady first and foremost, according to God's design, there will be no embarrassing or scandalizing secrets as you meet with that young, as you meet with that young lady's father before the two of you officially tie the knot. Anyway, thank you for listening into this episode of the For the Kingdom, Not the Brand podcast. I'll catch y'all on the next one, and blessings to you. Peace. <laughs>